0: Welcome to the Living Shelter podcast, where we explore ways to create healthy, energy efficient, and joyful places to live. I'm your host, Terry Phelan, a Pacific Northwest native and an architect with over 30 years' experience designing with a focus on sustainable options. I am delighted to be presenting this podcast series as the Director of Sustainable Practice at Borden Bellum, an integrated design firm based in Seattle. Living Shelter's goal is to help you expand your green knowledge toolkit, so together we can help build a resilient future that includes comfortable and sustainable places for everyone to live. Our guests share their years of experience in one or more of the many facets of the green and natural building industries, with topics like material choices for health and wellness, energy efficiency and carbon reduction, regenerative site design, waterway health, and other big-picture ideas from thought leaders we think you'll find inspiring. In this episode of Living Shelter, we're going to talk about hemp as a building product. Hemp has a long history of industrial use due to its strength and ability to grow quickly without much input of fertilizer or irrigation. It appears to be one of the first plants to be spun into usable fiber over 50,000 years ago. Its use was banned in the USA in 1937 due to an association with its cousin cannabis sativa and has only recently become available once more in the marketplace. As an agricultural product, hemp can sequester carbon and store it in both the fiber and in the soil, keeping it out of the atmosphere until it is burned or decomposes. A few companies have been making advances in how hemp is processed and applied as building products. And Johnny Patterson of Idaho-based Hempitecture is with us today to talk about some exciting developments with this valuable material. Hi, Johnny, and thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: So let's start by clearing the air. Is hemp the same plant as marijuana?
1: So this is a question we get a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Cannabis sativa has a long history of human use. Uh, A lot of ancient cultures uh, didn't necessarily grow the plant to get high, but as fibers for textiles and rope and herbal medicines um, originating in Asia around 500 B.C. But the history of cannabis cultivation in the United States dates back to the early colonists who grew hemp for textiles and rope. But like you had mentioned, political and racial factors in the 20th century led to the criminalization of marijuana in the United States, which also included industrial hemp. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's some, that's kind of a changing landscape that we're seeing today. But what we use in our building products is industrial hemp, which is kind of the cheapest and easiest subspecies to produce. It's grown for its fibrous stalks and edible seeds. And industrial hemp is generally low in cannabinoids, including both THC and CBD. And it's actually often grown as a cover crop to draw up pesticides and herbicides before a food crop is planted. So this fast-growing plant has recently seen a resurgence of interest because of its multipurpose applications. It's definitely a treasure trove of phytochemicals and a rich source of uh, woody fibers and other great components
0: for soil health. Yeah, yeah. It seems to be this, like, almost a magic bullet I mean, I buy hemp seed to put in my smoothies. Yeah,
1: yeah omegas, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <Like. And> proteins. <laughs> yeah, and then, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I know that industrial hemp, I remember you know, hemp rope. That was, that was how they made rope mm-hmm. you know, 200 years ago. That, that oh, was yeah. the fiber that was used. And I think George Washington grew hemp on his property.
1: I think at one point, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I have heard that at one point if you were a farmer, it was illegal to not grow hemp. I don't know if that's true or not. Somebody should fact check that (laughs) and get back to me.
0: Yeah, that sounds. I I can see that. I can see that as being a rule because of all the good things that it does. Mm -hmm. So now, is is hemp available? Is it legal? everywhere in the United States, or is that still a changing landscape?
1: So industrial hemp specifically is now officially legal in all 50 states. Very good. Um, Idaho, where we are based out of, was actually one of the last states to legalize the production and growth of industrial hemp. Now we can grow it (laughs) and and work with it, which is great.
0: That is great. I I remember several years ago it being, you know, you had to go to Canada to get your hemp Raw materials mm-hmm. to do hemp fabrics or Clothing, any of that. Yeah. Clothing, yeah.
1: Even seed too, you know, we're, uh, there is still a lot of complications and conversations and legalities around hemp because when the hemp bill passed originally in 2018, a lot of farmers went to CBD hemp. And so now we're kind of seeing the conversation focus back on industrial hemp. And so we're still really working on those seed genetics and the legalities of growing it, especially with the legalization of marijuana use in states.
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So there have been lots of other natural products that I have been aware of, and I'm, there are probably some that I haven't, but I was involved in a lot of straw bale con, you know, design and construction 30 years ago. And I'm you know, familiar with light straw clay and rammed earth, all these other natural building materials and methods. Why hemp instead? Mm, that's a
1: great question. Hemp is kind of an emerging conversation too in the in the in the building side of things. A lot of folks out there who know as hemp within building materials have may have heard of hempcrete, which is like a hemp lime biocomposite builder that you mix with water and it's not to get kind of mixed with concrete, because it's not a load-bearing, non-structural material, but it kind of works as a wall replacement. So it replaces your insulation, it replaces your your drywall, those types of things. So kind of similar as rammed earth in that sense. You know, hempcrete homes kind of require minimal heating and cooling because of its unique combination of a really good R value and its strong thermal mass. So the building's ability to absorb heat and release it back into the interior space when the temperature drops outside.
0: Right, right. And Hempcrete is where I was first exposed to hemp as a building product. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was doing straw bale work, one of my instructors that I was learning from was saying, oh, hemp's far too valuable to, to put into buildings. We need to be saving it for other things. Oh, interesting. But that was before... I think, before hemp herds were yeah. being separated out and that the hemp herds are what you're using now. Was that just for hempcrete? That uh,
1: is just for hempcrete. But I think hemp is a really incredible plant because of how regenerative it is. So while in America, we're still kind of developing the... It's it's called the decortication process, which um, essentially after the hemp crop grows, which it can grow in about 90 days, that material is laid to ret or dry in the field. And because those stalks are so fibrous and strong, it has to go through this decortication process that essentially pulls the fibers apart. And then you get like the hemp herd, which is used, it looks like wood chips, it's used in the hempcrete or hemp fibers, which we use in our non-woven technology, which creates like this hemp wool fiber bat insulation. So you can get a lot of different products out of, out of industrial hemp. I think it's just the, the developing landscape of making sure that genetics are right for the type of fiber used or material used. And yeah, I don't know. There's, there's still a lot with like building codes and everything too.
0: Right, right. I'm trying to understand for myself and, and also for our listeners, why is hemp better than straw? Ooh, okay. I understand what you're asking
1: now. Hemp is better than straw in the sense that it is I haven't built much with with straw bale houses, so please keep this in mind. But hemp is a very rege- oh, it's rapidly regenerative, and so it grows really quickly. And it also replenishes soil health while it grows. I don't necessarily mm-hmm. know the characteristics of hay as a plant, but I also know that hemp is uh, something called we call hygroscopic, and so it breathes moisture really well. So it won't mold or mildew, which I've heard can be sometimes an issue with straw bale houses.
0: It can if there's there's liquid moisture that is kind of trapped in the walls. Mm-hmm. That can That's the one place that straw does decompose is if it remains wet. Yeah. So hemp actually draws the moisture
1: through it. Through it. Yeah. And they've seen... So texture kind of got its start. Matty Mead, our CEO and founder, started texture as a dorm room idea, kind of looking at biomaterials for alternatives because he was watching this new garbage dump facility just grow and grow and a lot of the materials that he was seeing in there were building materials. Mm-hmm. So over the last decade he's been working with uh, hempcrete and in, in Europe they in his research he saw that in Europe they're opening up these buildings that are 100 plus years old and it's hempcrete and um, oh, really? it's, it's just lasting um, way longer than they expect the life of the building to ever last. Other building methods that they've seen around like Ancient Europe is, like, how lime can help close any, like, potential gaps or developed holes right. from Yeah, li- It's yeah. like
0: self-healing. Mm-hmm. It, if you re-wet it, it'll heal over. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very enamored with lime as, well, as a finished material for, like, lime plasters, but also... As a binding agent. Yeah, it's a beautiful material. <laughs> <laughs> so hempcrete is basically hemp herds and lime. Yep, and water. And water.
1: And a and, lot of mixing and, and, time, and, and <laughs> time and labor. And time and labor.
0: And that's probably why hempcrete didn't take off quite so fast.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's a very exciting material, but I think... When Tommy Gibbons, our CIO and co-founder joined the team, they were trying to figure out what was scalable and TempCrete, you know, all the projects that they've done around the U.S., that's kind of like a hard company to develop is building these specialty homes that take a lot of time and labor. and I mean, not everybody has time and labor. And so right. that's where hemp wool came in, is, is everybody needs insulation. All buildings need sound attenuation improvements or draftiness. And so hemp insulation is just this fiber bat, healthy material that's non-toxic. You can handle it. Anybody can work with it. And it just goes into the same place you'd see traditional insulation go.
0: You're listening to Living Shelter. I'm your host Terry Phelan, and I'm talking with Johnny Petterson of Hempitecture about natural building products and materials. Johnny, I understand that you're resourcing the hemp, in a way that you can track the supply chain? Is all your hemp coming from the US?
1: Mm, That's a great question. Um, So a lot of our materials that are coming, well, all of the materials that are actually coming out of our uh, newly opened uh, manufacturing facility in Idaho has been from Montana. Our partners out there have the decortication manufacturing process that I had mentioned. and so it's really exciting. You can we've we even went out there this summer, and you could see and then go to the farmer's land. So you're seeing this crop go from like seed to insulation. You get to watch the entire life cycle of this material, which that's, I think is that's so great, exciting. Yeah, such a short
0: <laughs> short growing. Period that it can happen in front of your in right. front of your eyes. I hear there can be like three crops in a year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool to be able to like be able to track a material down to its source, especially in this kind of climate we're in. In talking about where our materials are sourced and where they come from,
0: and and what kind of labor goes into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the farm to table movement in restaurants. It's like farm to building.
1: Right. Shop local. <laughs> yeah.
0: We love it. Right now you're getting your supply from one location, but I imagine as the market grows and as you're able to you know, scale up, you'll need to go to other locations. Do you have a system in place for tracking like a chain of custody...
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, there are some really exciting uh, agricultural partners across the United States and even in Canada that are really developing these materials that we can use, these raw materials that we can use in our manufacturing line. And so that traceability is a really great question that I, I'm going to pose to my manufacturing team because they obviously work the closest with the, the materials coming in, um, but I'm pretty sure there is a way that we can easily track that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that they do that with, like, FSC-certified lumber and some mm-hmm. even non-certified lumber in the States is they have tracking systems. So I yeah. was just wondering if you were, like, writing that that same yeah. Wave, or if you had something mm, that else going, that could make going. a
1: really cool like storyline for the insulation. Right, it shows up at somebody's house, and they're like, "Wow, this is who grew my materials." Yeah, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I'll know have to think about that. I, I buy like pasture raised eggs, and it yeah. you know it's like this is where this is where your chickens live. <laughs> oh, I love that.
1: <laughs> Meet Frank. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Let's step back for just a minute. You mentioned embodied carbon and how yes. hemp is a way of addressing our carbon conundrum and there's a lot of embodied carbon in building materials mm-hmm. and i know that that's you know architects have a real responsibility to respond to that with using materials that are have less embodied carbon how are natural agricultural materials better choice?
1: Yeah, great question. So the built environment generates about 40 percent of our greenhouse gas emissions. That's more than any other sector of the economy, more than transportation, agriculture, and other industries. So for the built environment, embodied carbon kind of refers to the sum of all the greenhouse gas emissions, mostly carbon dioxide, That result from the mining, harvesting, processing, manufacturing, transportation, and installation of these building materials. So the embodied carbon footprint is kind of, therefore, the amount of carbon to produce a material from start to finish. Cradle to grave is like kind of another word you'll hear for that. Mm -hmm. And so in contrast, operational carbon kind of refers to the greenhouse gas emissions due to building's energy consumption, which we see is a huge part of the net zero building efforts. And so embodied carbon is really important to add to these net zero efforts because we can't achieve those climate action goals that we have for the entire world if we don't also look at the source for these products. Right. And so something that's like made from a raw agricultural commodity like hemp wool is is essentially turning your building into these carbon-storing spaces. Hemp wool comes from a carbon-negative feedstock. Um, industrial hemp has been researched to absorb around nine tons of CO2 per acre grown. And since we're growing that within 600 miles of our facility and working from a manufacturing line that is utilizing 100% renewable energy resources from Idaho Green Powers Program. Oh, that's so cool. I know. I just saw the newsletter come out. I was so excited about that. Yeah. So you're just, you're kind of seeing this like ne- carbon negative material that you can put into your house. And then that is something that you get to like brag about and be like, my house is a carbon negative space. Like, That's why embodied carbon matters so much is because you're like, hey, these materials are sourced or made from, like, better materials or from somebody that's a farmer, a state
0: over. Um, Yeah, I love the local aspect of it. And my understanding of, of, you know, carbon sequestration and carbon storage is that agricultural materials, whether it's hemp or trees or, you know, bamboo— These all store carbon. Mm -hmm. Part of their photosynthesis process is to get carbon dioxide out of the air and hold it in Mm -hmm. the the fibers and and in the soil. So those fibers, as long as they remain intact or at least their you know cellular structure is the same, continue to hold that carbon for
1: its entire lifetime for
0: its (laughs) entire use. And
1: you know what's incredible too is the end of use. Of these materials, these natural, bio-based products is, God forbid, this ever happens. But you know, if, if a climate disaster happens, or if you know if a leak springs in your house, you know, and you have to get rid of materials, these aren't toxic materials that'll like bleed into the earth or into the water system. Mm-hmm. These aren't just natural materials that'll biodegrade over time.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yet they last. When they're when they're put into a, a building, mm-hmm. they don't break down and biodegrade. Exactly.
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> that doesn't happen. I'm at the end of life, but yep. yeah, you know, right. this these kinds of materials and with like hemp wool and all these other exciting products we're seeing come out of our manufacturing line are you know meant to last the lifetime of the building and beyond. So as long as it's put in correctly and in a really good wall space and you know a really great wall system, then you're set. Yeah.
0: So let's talk about hemp wool. You've mentioned it a few times, and I haven't asked any direct questions about it. So (laughs) hemp wool, right now, it comes in bats, Mm -hmm. fiberglass bats that, you know, builders have been using (laughs) for over probably 100 years. I'm not sure when fiberglass bats were first manufactured, but maybe 75 years ago. And yet hemp bats are... You can touch them. Mm-hmm. You you don't get slivers from them. You don't get irritation from them. That's correct. They don't, like, put off little fibers into the air that get in, you know, float mm-hmm. around and get into your lungs. The, this is new, right?
1: It is and it isn't, right? All okay. of these materials are something that have existed for as long as people have been building with natural materials. But this product is new for the U.S., which is exciting. Okay. We have built the first of its kind, a non-woven technology in Idaho, where we're producing hemp wool, which is that fiber bat insulation. It's kind of like a one-to-one replacement to traditional conventional insulations like fiberglass or spray foam or mineral wool. Yeah, you know, it it is all of those things. And thank you. Yeah, it is non-toxic. And we are seeing people being able to handle this. Obviously, we always recommend following OSHA guidelines, wearing a mask and everything like that. But, (laughs) you know, it's a lot of people are having like a much easier time working with this material. And especially for people, we get a lot of homeowners and home builders who are choosing these healthier, non-toxic materials and are maybe doing part of the build themselves or improving their households, doing a renovation or a retrofit. So it's just kind of exciting to see these more sustainable, healthier options become part of the building market.
0: So can people just go to their local hardware store? Hardware store and, and on buy these part. off the <laughs> shelf? I understand there there is a new facility open in our area, at the yes. distribution center. Tell me about that. Is that some place that anyone can go, or is that for just wholesale?
1: No, that's a great question. So our materials are available to everybody. We sell them directly online, so you can check out buyhempwool.com, and you can get a quote. And then those quotes generate some shipping rates from third-party vendors. We don't charge anything for shipping, but it's really exciting to, to get these new warehouses popping up. So we are up to five now. Fife, Washington is a new one, so if somebody did, was in the area and wanted to go pick it up, we can arrange that. We just added a new one in Loveland, Colorado. We get another one in Reno here soon. We have one in Tennessee, Ohio, and then our main warehouse in Idaho. And so I'd love to be in, like, building lumber supply and building material supplies in, in all of these, like, small towns that I see every time I'm, I'm driving around Idaho or Washington. But yeah, we're, we're we're working to really make these materials as accessible to everybody as possible.
0: Are they cost comparable to other products that have been on the market for a while?
1: Yeah, you oh know, we just, especially because we just launched our facility where we were able to, like, lower our prices, like, 17% or something like that, and now I, I'm really excited to say that we're cost comparative to a lot of traditional insulations and Even on the more compared to, like, premium insulation like mineral wool, we're actually showing to be a little bit less than that. Um, So it's those shipping costs that we're working on, like, making it more accessible to everybody by adding these warehouses.
0: Right. The distribution Mm centers should help with that a lot. And is the R value similar in thickness? Yeah.
1: So it's it's, uh, about...
0: 3.7 per
1: square inch, you know, kind of that similar those similar qualities of hempcrete of hygroscopic, so it breathes really well. It's uh, mold and pest resistant due to the silicates that industrial hemp fibers just naturally have. So you don't have to worry about like any nesting or anything like that. And we have some really exciting research partnerships going on, one with the Department of Energy's Oak Ridge National Lab to study the carbon sequestration of our materials, as well as product development. But also just test these materials, so we'll see a life cycle analysis and EPD coming out here soon.
0: Great. Yeah, Oak Ridge Laboratories have been on my on my radar for some time. They yeah. did a lot of, of the early straw bale research huh. on like fire resistance and is the hemp wool fire resistant as well?
1: Great question. Another one of our research partnerships has been with the University of Idaho's College of Natural Resources, and we were able to find a VOC Free, a natural and re- red list ingredient-free flame retardant that we are adding to our line,
0: mm. um, and
1: so we should have those ASTM testings here shortly. But everything that we've researched so far is has it coming out to a class A. So you'll see a hemp wool plus with the uh, with that option here soon. That's
0: that's great. I'm really excited about this material, and I'm. It's like, is there any reason not to use it?
1: <laughs> we hope not. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> So the, your new facility in Jerome, Idaho, where you're making this hemp wool material, it, it's been open for just like two months, mm-hmm. I believe. I, I remember seeing the, the announcement, the grand opening announcement. Do you think that that plant has the capacity to meet the demand that's going to be created as the word gets out on this?
1: Yeah, you know, that—our technology is so cool, and I got to shout out Maddie and D-Huddy, Deshaun, for working their tailbones off and, and building out—it was just the two of them building out the the machinery, and they had some engineers come in, and now we're up to six or seven on the, on the team out there. They are just the best. And so— That manufacturing line does have the capability of producing millions of square feet of material a year. And not only just, like, hemp wool insulation, but we're starting to, like, really experiment with what materials can come out with bio-based fibers. And so, like, things—you're you're, going to see, like, an acoustic panel. We have an exterior continuous insulation going to, like, oh. come out later this year. Like, a carpet underlayment. And so, you know, our technology extends beyond just the built environment but can go into other industries— Um, you know, cold freight packaging for medicine or food. And so it's hard introducing a new material into the built environment because people are so used to sticking to what is try and true for them or what works in their spec sheet, what they Mm -hmm. constantly use. Um, It's already made, so why change it up? And so we're working on on, uh, getting those minds changed towards these materials and really, uh, you know, showing... The larger community, what exactly we can do with these bio based materials.
0: You're listening to Living Shelter. I'm talking with Johnny Pedersen of Hempitecture about natural building products that are made right here in the U.S. Johnny, it seems like things like the hemp wool, bad insulation. And continuous insulation, you're talking about replacing products that are used to being, you know, specified in buildings, but with like products. Mm-hmm. So completely different than, you know, the hempcrete application. While it was really exciting to those of us in the deep green building industry, there were lots of hurdles because of the training that was required to do a completely different type of build, to mm-hmm. do, use completely different types of material and processes and the timelines involved, drawing times and everything. It seems to me that the products that you're looking at now are simple switch-outs. Hmm. It's like people aren't going to have to relearn you know, how to frame a wall To put this insulation in, it's just, it's the same size as what they're used to. They just go from fiberglass or denim. I remember when denim denim bats came out. Denim is cool, I won't lie. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't have the same R value. So as our energy codes Mm -hmm. got more stringent.
1: They're in the, I think they're in the cold freight technology realm, which is great to see. Uh, But yes, we are a one-to-one replacement for conventional Toxic materials in the built environment, you know, yeah. and we not only is this material healthier for the those residing in the building, whether they're working in it, living in it, learning in it, but it's also safe for the contractors and builders to work with, which is such an important factor that sometimes can be forgotten in the And the act of building a building, so yes, we are making a healthier, sustainable option.
0: Yeah, yeah, and using materials that are they're clean based. They're not coming from a petroleum. Made in the U.S. Byproduct made in the U.S.
1: Supports local rural agricultural economy. Yeah. it's. I mean, it, it to me, it seems like the simple choice. Like,
0: <laughs> right, right. If it's price comparable, I'm, why not? Why would anybody go the old way when there's these these new things yeah. available? You know, if they're if they're proven, you know, and it sounds like you're working with mm-hmm. different organizations that you know are helping prove, you know, their longevity, their safety, their R value, all the things that need to be considered when you're yeah. going to change.
1: We want to replace yeah. toxic traditional
0: materials. <laughs> we're, we're coming for I it. I want you to replace <laughs> toxic traditional materials. There's so many toxins in our, in our environment. Yes. And you know, I know a lot of builders that now build green homes, especially, you know, homes, uh, the small builders, they went to building green because they got sick. Mm. They got sick. You know, creating homes for people and using the products that they were used to, but they were being bombarded with all these toxins yeah. without really understanding what they were being bombarded with. And they got sick, and then they realized they, they couldn't do their work anymore if they didn't change to a natural product or a, a non-toxic product. And so once they did and realized how it affected their lives, they kind of got on their own Bandwagon to educate others. Cool. So I, I can see this again. I, there's so many times that I've handled fiberglass insulation, oh. and it's just like it gets everywhere. It gets in your clothes. You try and wash, and you if you use warm water, it just opens up your pores, and it goes into your pores. It's just it's nasty. It's nasty so stuff. terrifying,
1: <laughs> like the pink monster. Oh,
0: yeah, and the, the pink stuff's got f- f- formaldehyde in it, too.
1: Oh, man. I mean, well we used to use... Asbestos. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't that long ago. But <laughs> yeah, it's there's a. I don't know if you've ever heard of Parsons Healthy Materials Lab in New York, but they've got a really great research going on and a really great online resource hub for. Just you know everything that goes into a home from the the start to finish of of building a home and looking at like how toxic certain materials are or what non toxic alternatives are there. You know, speaking of podcasts, they also have a good podcast too. And the first season is all about hemp. So, uh huh, yeah, hemp in the built environment actually. So
0: <laughs> wonderful. So that that's Parsons Healthy
1: Re- Materials Lab. Parsons New School in New York. It's their Healthy Materials Lab.
0: That's great. I've heard of Parsons New School. I didn't realize they had a healthy materials lab. That sounds like a great resource. Yeah,
1: I definitely recommend checking it out.
0: Great. I'll do that. So you mentioned some new research and development partnerships that you've been working on. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that we haven't touched on in that department you said the department of energy
1: yeah so department of energy uh, at their oak ridge national lab um just doing some product development testing life cycle analysis you know even maybe some carbon impact work on on our materials Um, and then another one has been with university of idaho finding a natural voc free flame retardant to add to our manufacturing line Okay. And, and um, there's some other uh, exciting developments happening. And, yeah, I I don't want to give all of our secrets away, oh. so I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> right, yeah. Well,
0: I'm sure there are some things... Little so surprises
1: that, but, are coming up soon, I will say that. <laughs> I'm
0: so excited for you guys. Remember visiting Sun Valley, where your offices are. I know J- Jerome is where your manufacturing mm-hmm. facility is, though, but uh, Sun Valley is in Ketchum. Yes. Is that right, in Sun Valley? I was... Visiting there a few years ago and didn't realize until I was there that the office was there. And it was like— I, Oh, no I, way. <laughs> I, I missed the opportunity to go tour and, you know—
1: Oh, you'll have to stop, come back stop out. Stop in I with mean...
0: it and talk to Maddie and Tommy. But, yeah, I've I've had my eye on, on HEPITECTURE for a while. and Oh, I, well, that's... thank you
1: for the support. I mean— <laughs> It's it's been I mean and you know for myself of of being with the company a couple of years now it's been so fun watching all the twists and turns because I've I've known Maddie for a number of years now and and um, seeing the development with with him and Tommy has been so cool and. You know, it's it it extends beyond just our company. The support like that you give into us, and, uh-huh. and the community that is so excited to see industrial hemp come alive or green products come alive. It it's um, just kind of this really beautiful union of all of these really great communities and, and bringing new materials to to life.
0: Well, and community is such a big part of making change Mm -hmm. for us to find people who have some similar goals and passions and maybe for different reasons, but, you know, just working together to make change happen. Community is the solution in my eyes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It takes a village for sure. Yeah. Yeah, truly. So something I like to ask all my guests, climate change is affecting us. I mean, we're in it. It's... In the future, we might be, mm-hmm. you know, subject to you know, crazy weather or you know, you know, hot summers, drying lakes, and waterways. We rely on these things for life. Mm-hmm. While we're making change, one of the things that I feel like we really need to do is become more resilient in our own lives, so that we're ready to weather those storms together. Is there anything you personally might suggest people do? Gosh, that's such a
1: great question. (laughs) To become
0: more resilient around these changes?
1: Yeah, you know, I got to do resiliency research when I was in undergrad, and it was the concept of, like, uh, it was actually with the refugee community in Boise and for Mm -hmm. youth and how, what were the strategies that they were applying to be more resilient or where was the community needing um, to support to help build resilience in these children? Because children are some of the most resilient creatures of all, and so I think just kind of that that same thing. And we just spoke about like forty seconds ago of of community, right? Like. Of, of caring for yourself and, and caring for your community and, and it, you don't have to have all of the answers. You mm-hmm. don't have to be hundred percent perfect at anything, um, especially with all the chaos that's happening in the world. But pick something, right? Like pick something with your friends and say like hey, like let's let's work on this or like how can we can we how can we do little things together? um and and i think we're seeing that all over listen to a good podcast like this one <laughs> if you're oh, into building you your look support. at look at uh, building materials that are greener like you know pick the things that you care about and find ways to 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 work from there i mean i got into hompetecture because i was interested in sustainable fashion <laughs> Oh, really? And I made the decision that I wanted to work in sustainability and now I'm in the green building materials world so
0: <laughs> Did you go to school for fashion design?
1: I didn't actually. I went to school for psychology and then just in my later 20s was like really interested in you know activism and and fashion and what being green and sustainable in the fashion realm. And so Slow Factory, another space in New York that does a lot of free classes, was kind of my introduction to the world of sustainability.
0: Wonderful. So. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. We, we find our callings through all sorts of paths.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And so, I don't know, pick something, try it out, but don't despair. Yeah.
0: You know, Whatever that the, that, <laughs> that can be, you know, the biggest challenge. I mean... Yeah. It's it's easy to get pulled down by climate fatigue. F- climate fatigue.
1: Yeah. And Take care all, of yourself. Yeah. But yes, it is real.
0: Yeah. It is a real real thing. So, Johnny, where can people go to find out more information?
1: Yes. Uh, so, hempitecture, kind of spelled like architecture: H-E-M-P-I-T-E-C. U-R-E? I guess it'll be written on this, so I don't know why I'm spelling it for you guys. Um, <laughs> Hempitecture.com. If you're curious about quotes on hemp wool, you can go to buyhempwool.com. You can find us on the social media channels, not TikTok, um, <laughs> but everything else at Hempitecture. Yeah, feel free, I don't know, connect with me on LinkedIn if you're curious to talk. Um, mm-hmm. But,
0: yeah. And, Johnny, you're here in Seattle with, with us And involved in the Northwest Eco Building Guild Mm -hmm. as well, which is a great, great community of people that are trying to make a difference. Totally. So that's, that's good to know that you're, you're connected there too.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, I mean, again, that community, it's that, that's the thing. We got it. And so... There's some really exciting things happening in Seattle. I mean, there's really great federal incentives happening right now for energy efficiency improvements in homes. And so stay tuned via our newsletter on our website. I'm sure you guys will be posting a lot of updates and and other exciting conversations. But um, yeah, no, thanks again for having me. (laughs) Yeah, it
0: was great having you. Thanks for being here. That was Johnny Patterson of Hempitecture based in Sun Valley, Idaho. I also want to thank everyone listening in and hope you'll tune in again for more in-depth conversations with inspirational guests from the world of sustainable design. The Living Shelter Podcast is a project of Borden Bellum, a multidisciplinary design firm practicing architecture, interior design, and landscape architecture for residential, commercial, and civic projects. From our studio in Seattle, I'm your host, Terry Phelan. Take care, and we'll talk again soon.